chapter 4 and verse 17 through to 32. Last time I did 1 to 16 and I want to just quickly go over that real quick. So welcome back to the study of, uh, of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And let's review a few verses just to cover last week's subject and move on to what God has for us today. So today we're picking up in verse 17, but I want to go back just a few verses. The thing that really got to me was, yes, last week was that Jesus gives gifts to his people. Jesus gives gifts to his people. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts and we often talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But this is not the gifts of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about the gifts of the Lord Jesus to the church. So Jesus gives gifts of people to the church. What are these people supposed to do? Equip the church for ministry. The Holy Spirit gives enablement gifts to the church. What are the people supposed to do? Do the ministry. So one set of people equips, one set of gifts equips you for the ministry and the other set of gifts enables you for the ministry. Get it? So you get equipping and you have gifting. If you had gifting without equipping, that would be a little traumatic. It'll take forever. If you had an equipping but without the enablement, without the ability, that would also be problematic. But when you look at the beautiful way the word of the, the, the Trinity is working in the church, you have the... You have the Lord Jesus giving gifts of people. Who are the gifts of people that God, that Christ has given to the church? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. You can't pastor without teaching and you can't teach without pastoring. It's one thing. Okay, it's one thing. It's not going and praying for, for, for your one-year-old's birthdays. It's not going and spooking out houses and praying over roofs. It's... It's the teaching of the word of God. And the teaching of the word of God is what a pastor must do. So these gifts of people have been given to the church, to the body of Christ, for the nurture, for the spiritual growth. Here's it says, measuring up to the full measure of the body of Christ. Measuring up to the full measure of the body of Christ. So that you may become mature. So God has given two things to you for your maturity. What is he given? Number one. People, pastors, evangelists, people. And the other thing he's given to you is gifts. So he has given Zarima a gift to minister to James. He's given James a gift to minister to Stella. He's given Stella a gift to minister to Ashish. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? So the body ministers to each other. And then the pastors equip the church for the work of the ministry. What is your ministry? I don't know. What's your shape? What is your spiritual gift? What's your heart? What's your ability? What's your personality? What's your experience? You put it all together and you serve. You serve. You use your gift. Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's what these people are supposed to be doing. Verse 14. Then they will no longer be immature. Then they will no longer circle then at that time when they have equipped and when everybody's done their ministry. When? When they have equipped and when everybody's done their ministry, then there will be no more balaks. There will be no more no children. There will be no longer immature. Like children tossed, blown away, tricked. What are kids like? Tossed, blown away, tricked. Very easily blown. Very easily swayed. Very gullible. Very easily tricked. Not like children, but mature mature no longer immature like children but they will become mature i wish we could have a song like that no we have that song no longer slaves no longer slaves we like to sing about victorious stuff but we never sing i will no longer be immature 
I will no longer be stupid. I will no longer be bacha like. We should sing like that also. Something that refers to our own commitment. You know, you notice that we never sing about our own commitment. We always, anyway. Verse 15, instead, instead. So you have immature, immature, beguiled, tricked, swayed, blown away. Instead, we will be speaking the truth in love, telling each other what's not right, what's not true, what's not dependable, and growing in every way, look at that, more and more like Christ. So if you've been coming to this church for 10 years, for 5 years, for 1 year, you are noticing everybody else becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what church should be like. Should be like. <coughs> so what happens is when a church grows bigger, we get lost in the crowd. And we get lost in the crowd, we fall less and less accountable to being like Christ. That's why we put everybody into small groups. That's why we put everybody into small groups. And marriage, family is the first unit where the character is seen. Small group, fellowship is the second unit where the family uh, character is seen. Church, evangelism is the fourth, third unit where, where character is seen. Verse 16. <coughs> so he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. As each part does its own special work, he makes it grow together. He helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full in love. Got it? Got it? We are reviewing. That's why I'm going fast. Okay? So this is it. The maturity of the body is dependent on the working of every part. The maturity of the body is dependent on the working of every part. Write it down. Number two, the working of every part is dependent on the spiritual maturity of every part. So the whole body's maturity is dependent on the maturity of each individual. And the each individual's uh, part is dependent on the each individual's maturity. I want us to understand this. I want, to, want us to get this. So the building is not complete, but the brick is. Did you get that? Did you get that? The building is not complete, but the brick is definitely complete. So when you take a brick, at least the brick needs to be complete. You don't build a building with incomplete bricks, with unshapely bricks. The brick is shaped. The brick is complete. Then the building is built. So God is putting together spiritually mature people so that the building would come to maturity. Building would come to completion. So the focus is first on the individual parts maturity. Every part working well together. Then God will do the part about putting us together. We don't have to work on that. We have to work on our own spiritual maturity. We have to work on our own doing the work as each part does its work. So you don't have to be thinking about how the other bricks are doing. You need to be thinking about my shape. Am I doing my ministry? Am I being faithful to my part? Leave the rest to God. God is working on it. Iron rods are cut and ready. The tiles are cut and ready. And then God puts the thing together. The cogwheels of a watch are already shaped, already polished, already right-sized. The different sizes before it puts together. It's put together by the, by the, what the fellow who called the other clocks? The watchmaker. And, oh, I should have come over there. Watchmaker and then the clock begins to tick. But the parts are already ready. God wants us to be. So, Paul will now emphasize 
on the maturing of every individual believer. So chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6 will talk about the maturity of every single individual. Maturity of everything. So Jesus died for you and was raised for you. Jesus rose you in Christ. Jesus has given you people to mature you. People has, Jesus has given you gifts to mature you. Now get on with it and become mature. Okay? Maturity is seen in the context of relationships. You can't be mature on your own. Maturity is always seen in how you relate to other human people. Breathing people. So if you want to, be, if you want to know if you are mature, you need to ask your... family you need to ask your children you need to ask your spouse you need to ask your church your small group the ones who are rubbing shoulders with you every day don't go online and do tests yeah don't ask your friends the ones who see you once a week ask your family members am i really mature am i like jesus and when they finished laughing you will have your answer so we will all look at, we, so we will look at individuals, we look at marriage, we look at family and we look at work colleagues. The next few chapters are going to be amazing. Chapter 4, 5 and 6, every area of our life we're going to look at and God is going to give us wisdom and understanding how to mature. Very good. Verse 17 through to verse 31. Let's fly through this. All of you look extremely intelligent and extremely with it. So I'm going to stay in gear number 5. Okay? And if you begin to have that look, then I'll slow down. But till then, I'm, I'm flying. I'm flying. Okay. Personal spiritual maturity, personal character, that's what we're focusing on. So chapter 4 starts with the personal character. Even next week, we're going to be in personal character purity. And then we'll go into marriage, we'll go into family, we'll go into employer-employee relationships. Number one. Number one. Becoming mature will change my thinking to the way Christ thinks. Write it down. Becoming mature will change my thinking to the way Christ thinks. What is spiritual maturity? Thinking like Christ thinks. Thinking like Christ thinks. So he says in verse 17, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the ones who go after other gods, who don't know the mind of Christ. The mind of, Christ, of the Gentile is darkened. They, are want, they wander far from the life that God gives. Notice these things. Just look carefully at each thing. They wander far from the life God gives. Why? Because they have closed their minds. Because they have hardened their hearts. When does a heart wander far from God? When does a heart wander far from God? When they close your mind. You get it? So maturity is thinking like Christ. You don't shut your mind off when it comes to faith in Christ. And number two, they have hardened their hearts against him. They are not willing to trust. They are not willing to trust. They are not willing to open their hearts to God. They have no sense of shame. They have no sense of shame. They live with lustful pleasure. Eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Eagerly. Eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Is that what your Bible says? Something similar? Yeah. They have no sense of shame. They, have, they live for the lustful pleasure, eagerly practice everything. What do you think they're talking about? Can you give me some examples? Can you give me examples of what, do you, what does it look like to be far from God? Or what does it look like to... I wonder, what does he mean when he says they have no sense of shame? When they run after lustful pleasure or when they practice impurity. Can you give me some examples? 
cheating very easily very quickly anything else give me two examples of lustful pleasure stealing money small bits so you don't notice change you have to stop and ask yourself you know it's easy to use big big words like that but what does it look like what does it look like so when you actually come up with examples you might even find yourself caught up in that little thing caught up in that little lustful pleasure what are the lustful pleasures we can, we go after what are the ways we find ourselves far from god but verse 20 but that isn't what you learned about christ he says the gentiles do like that don't be like the gentiles those who don't know christ those who don't know the uh, the heart of god the the will of god but but big b big b b u t that isn't what you learned about christ that isn't what you learned so what did you learn about christ how does christ behave how does christ think how does christ feel number 2 becoming mature will change my behavior to the way christ behaves becoming mature will change my behavior to the way christ behaves so what is maturity look like thinking like christ and behaving like christ correct i repeat what is maturity look like thinking like christ and behaving like christ so in believers who are not like the gentle gentiles supposedly but have learned about christ verse 20 they have learned about christ and they still don't think like christ and they still don't act like christ something needs to come on boss what's going on have you really accepted christ as your lord and savior have you really allowed jesus to change you because it's all about transformation changing your thinking changing your behavior changing your thinking so since you heard about jesus and have learned the truth note the word learned where does learning happen here and then it goes down to here you have learned the truth that comes from christ so there is lies and truth lies/truth and you knew lies but now you have learned the truth once you have learned the truth you know everything that should be a lie got it once you have seen the original you know what is fake learned the truth lie truth we sometimes we say we are living a lie sometimes we say we are living a lie when our behavior doesn't reflect who we really are don't you say that he's living a lie when your behavior doesn't reflect who you really are you're being a hypocrite so what he's saying over here is now that you have come into christ when you sin and when you act in an ungodly way you are living a lie because that's not what you really are it's ulta it's ulta there are people who act holy but are sinful He's saying, "What Jesus has taught you is that you have been cleansed in Christ, you have been forgiven in Christ. So actually, you are holy, but you are acting sinful. Did you get it? You are being hypocritical. Don't 
act like that don't talk like that don't behave like that because actually you're not a sinner actually you're not a sinful you have been made holy so you need to reflect what you're really like so we are lying in our behavior when we act sinfully when we act like the gentiles when we think like the gentiles because that's not who we really are we must reflect the character of the father that we have so when we sin and when we act ungodly we're living a lie because that's not who we really are he says so throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception so i have an old nature and i have a new nature the old nature is corrupted it is corrupted there's an old computer and there's a new computer the old computer has a virus and it has corrupted the system and now that system is only going to work in a certain way because it has that virus it has been corrupted what are the two virus that you find in it number one lust and number two deception don't act like that don't think like that because that's not you you have been cleansed that old system is corrupted it's corrupted by lust it's corrupted by deception what does it mean that it is corrupted by lust my old nature has ingrained in it the propensity to shut up and do what the flesh says my old nature is a servant to the flesh if my body says no sleep for another one hour if my body says no i want that other person that opposite sex i want that pleasure if my body says no i want this or i want that i will not do this or i will not do that you're like yes boss no boss the old nature is subservient to the body subservient to the flesh lust dictated by the flesh the old nature cannot do otherwise so when you find yourself living in a way where the body is just i can't do it i can't give up this habit i can't give up this this uh, this pleasure i can't give up this relationship when you when the body just absolutely says no you will not think you will not study you will not act you will not be nice until i get what i want when the body starts acting like that you know you're acting in the old nature and he says the old nature is corrupted by two things number one by lust it is it is it has got a virus in it that tells it only what the body says i'm going to do number two it is corrupted by deception very interesting it is covered by, by deception what is the lie i will only be happy if i'm given what i want i will only be happy if i'm given what i want is that a lie that's a lie that's a lie where until i am given what i want until my stomach is full until i've had enough sleep until i've got enough attention from my friends until i've got first place in this or first place in that until i have achieved this or achieved that until i'm feeling good about my life until people are worshiping me with their attention and with their with their contributions to my life until i'm better than somebody else until i'm feeling greater than anybody else i will not be happy so so remember it's a virus remember it's deception deception is a lie lie is until i get this i will not be happy so everything i do everything i work hard for everything i'm willing to invest in is to get me to that place where i'm happy where i'm pleased because my body is pleased that means you are your body that's it your spirit is a prisoner to your body your will is a prisoner to your body your relationship to god is a prisoner to your body 
that body flesh and blood five foot something six foot something rules roost in your life when you're irritable when you're when you're hungry you're irritable when you're tired you're irritable so all spiritual character is suspended because the body says uh -uh, not now not now tomorrow morning talk to me tomorrow morning when the body takes control that's when you know lust and deception has corrupted it we will be satisfied the lie is we will be satisfied that this is real enjoyment in life being pleasured rather than being pleasing being pleasured rather than being pleasing life is about living for enjoyment that's a lie that's a lie so here's the counsel of god instead let the spirit renew your thoughts spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes interesting interesting so the body takes control are you with me the body takes control but in order to capture the body in order to take control of this and let the new nature uh, rule it begins with the mind let the spirit renew your mind that's a very big way of saying let the holy spirit counsel you in how to think so the body says i'm hungry and the holy spirit says he's lying he's fine The body says, no, I can't, I can't stay up and have this conversation right now. I can't. No, he's lying. He can. I know he can. That's why Paul says, I beat my body into submission so that I might do the will of God. And people do that. Soldiers do that. Athletes do that. We know people. At the time when we want to get a good marks and exams, we are able to push our body to the extent where we get what we want. But we never do it for the will of God. We never submit our body for the will of God. God, not never, but you know what I mean. Instead, instead, you'll find this word repeated over and over. Instead, let the Spirit of God, let, please, come on, cooperate. Let the Spirit renew your mind and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly right. So, we know what the old nature is like. We hate you. Okay, great. Now, we got the new nature and you got to put that on. You got to put on the new nature and it starts with a thinking pattern. I need to think like Christ, then I will behave like Christ. So let the Spirit of God change the way you think, counsel you into Christ's way of behavior, put on your new nature for you, the one that's like God. So like a mother dresses her little child, let the Spirit of God dress you in the character of Christ every morning as you spend time in his word. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So let me give you six ways to act like Christ and we're done. Six ways to act like Christ. Six ways to put on the character of Christ. As negative as this may sound, in the changeover of the old nature to the new nature, of the old God to the new God, there has to be some stopping of some things and some starting of some things. So of course you can't do it without the guidance and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He will give you the ability, but the thinking needs to change. Number one, number one, tell people what is true. Verse 25, tell people what is true. Speak the truth. It takes more faith to speak the truth than it takes to speak lies. It's very just easy to speak lies. It's harder to speak the truth because the outcome of truth is not always what we want. When we tell the truth, we usually screw up everything. And what we need to do is trust that God, the Holy Spirit, will fix my life if I consistently tell the truth. It is a huge faith step. So telling the truth isn't just a character issue, if you understand what I mean. Telling the truth is actually a huge faith step saying, 
if i kept telling everybody the truth about what's going on i'm going to be a mess i need to trust god that consistently telling the truth will actually get me to a better place everybody else the dimag kharab hai pagal hai why you went and told them the truth now look what happened now look what you lost now look a little bit of lie you didn't have to tell him that's how they lie you didn't have to you didn't tell lies but you didn't tell the truth yeah telling people what is true for we are all part of the same body we're all part of the same body so we don't tell each other lies we tell each other number 2 daily resolve issues that make you angry daily resolve issues that make you angry don't let it go to the next day and the next day and the next day resolve issues that make you angry and by that i don't mean change the other person deal with it lord i'm angry about this can you please explain to me spirit of god what am i really angry about because of my anger i'm treating this person like rubbish i'm reacting to this person like this this poor vegetable guy who did nothing but stood in the heat all day got my extra masala at the end of the day simply because i am angry with something else lord my anger is causing me to sin father god would you help me resolve what i'm angry about because usually the behavior of our anger the behavior that comes for our anger isn't the reason for our anger are you with me yeah so when i'm angry i i act out i behave and the people who get the blessing of your anger they didn't cause it and that's just not fair it's not fair christ wouldn't have you do that what happens when you're angry your filters fall to the ground when you're angry your reasoning fails you when you're angry too much blood goes to your brain too much blood in the brain is not good i don't even know if that's medically true but it just sounds good let me tell you what you do when you're angry all in relationships a b b is the one getting angry a does something stupid foolish unwise a does something stupid foolish unwise b responds with sin when we respond to foolishness with sin when we respond to stupidity with sinful reactions they are not the sinners you and i are anger makes you sin in response to somebody's stupidity when somebody sins against you that's called trespassing forgive them their trespasses as you forgive when somebody sins against you then you got all heaven and all coming in for you they're going to they're going to fight for you when somebody sins against you when somebody sins against you you can offer forgiveness when somebody sins against you you can call on god's power to forgive that person but when somebody does something stupid it's just stupid it's incompetence and we are surrounded with incompetence it's something that bothers me a lot I, it angers me incompetence drives me nuts okay i'm just being honest i'm opening there are different things that i have tremendous patience for but incompetence i don't have any patience for so somebody is just incompetent he didn't sin 
But my response to that is sinful. Do you get it? I hurt them with my words. I hurt them with my actions. And they did something stupid, yet they became the recipient of sinful behavior. Not fair. Not fair. So the Bible says, the, the Spirit of God says, in the church of Christ, in the body of Christ, that behavior is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Even if you are a believer and you're part of the body of Christ and your family is unbelievers, they are still under, in Christ's mind, they are still part of, uh, participants of the body of Christ because they are holding on to one member. So they still need to get the blessing of being part of the church. Number one, tell, what, tell people what is true. Number two, daily resolve issues that make you angry. Why? Why should you quickly resolve it before the sun goes down? Because it gives Satan a foothold. And by the time you wake up in the morning, Satan's got you by the jugular. Satan has got, he has all, he stuck his foot in there and he's, he's got a grip. And every morning you wake up with unresolved anger, Satan's taking one more step into your life and he's got a grip on your life. Don't go there. Don't go there. Keep him out. Solve the anger issues. Frustrate Satan. Frustrate Satan. How cool you are. Captain Campos. Number three, put your hands to good work so you can be generous. Work hard, he says. Work hard. Instead of stealing people's things, stealing people's time, stealing people's opportunities, work hard. Organize your time, organize your resources, organize your money so that you can be generous, so that you can be available, so that you can be giving. Number four, choose prayerfully, cho sorry, choose prayerful and polite words to express yourself. Choose prayerful and polite words to express yourself. What do I mean by express yourself? You know that, you know that moment when you need to, what's that word? That expression, alas, you know? When you say, oh, X, yes, yes, that's the one. Say it loudly again. Explicitives. Do you know what explicitives are? F's and B's and D's and all that. And S also. You know, those are expletives. That's what Gentiles do. With a nature that's corrupted by deception and lies and you think that every time you use those words you're releasing some sort of tension no you're not it's a lie replace it with prayerful words and polite words prayerful words and polite words in fact people who use a lot of bad language don't know that they are very slowly eroding people's respect for them choose prayerful words and polite words to express yourself instead of cursing and swearing so people will actually be built up during a tough time during a tough time so when you blow up at home and when something goes wrong at home and something breaks, something's lost, something's suddenly stolen, when in during, during the hard times, the words that come out of your mouth will destroy the people in your midst or they could build them up. They could build them up. In that split second, our response can either be spirit-led or body-led. What are you? Are you a spirit-led person or a body-led person? What do children see? Is daddy a body type person or a spirit type person? Does he see Jesus come out shining in moments like that? Or does he see the worst of daddy come out in moments like that? 
so people will be built up during number five number five value the guidance of the holy spirit the spirit of god has been given to you as a counselor to teach you how to think like christ and behave like christ when you consistently consistently ignore the teaching of the holy spirit the guidance and counsel of the holy spirit you grieve him because he's there to rem to remind you that you are his he's there to remind remember if you belong to him that you should act like him remember who you really are he's trying to remind you who you really are don't act like that because that's not who you really are that's what the spirit of god is there to give you to remind you when you grieve the holy spirit and he's there for that purpose he ceases to remind you of who you are and secondly he's been there given to you to preserve you till the day of redemption till the day of redemption so that you have an effective ministry life till the time christ comes the spirit of god has been given to you for a purpose instead instead of grieving him instead of grieving him remember that he is there for you and value the guidance of the holy spirit number six finally number six develop a tender way of dealing with people's brokenness develop a tender way of dealing with people's brokenness so the bible says bitterness rage anger harsh words slander i know you don't do any of these you never touch all of this but bitterness rage anger harsh words and any other evil behavior that you might have come up with <laughs> on your own the original one unique genuine he says instead of giving in to bitterness rage anger just as christ has forgiven you give margins to others open your heart to others develop a tender way of dealing with people's brokenness are people broken around you so prepare yourself in advance to deal with them rather than give it give them strife for already the fact that they are broken they are broken so take the next 2 minutes please and answer for yourself as you allow the spirit to god to transform you answer the question what is one or two areas i am willing to change this week what is one or two areas i am willing to change this week because i know all six you're not going to do let's be let's be honest everything you're not going to start working on Sure Pastor Jeremy I'm going to come back next Sunday perfect Pick one pick one pick two see there's six over there so on six days he he worked and on the seventh day he rested So each one you do one one day and then rest on the seventh day What do I need to do to be more patient or who do I need to be more patient with You don't need to be patient with everybody there's just one or two people and we know we know who they are Okay and lastly what do i need to put off there's a putting off and a putting on what do i need to put off what do i need to put off